and we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, but I'm actually going to start at verse 12 and read to the end of 26. So that's 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 26. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink, and so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Thank you very much, Junior, for, for reading for us. Um, let me add my welcome to David's. If you're, you're newish uh, with us this morning, then uh, let me tell you, you've joined us um, in a series of four um, talks that we're having leading up to a, to a Vision Sunday at the end of the month. Um, and these four are kind of thinking afresh uh, about some things that as a church we've looked at before, uh, four things that we think are foundational uh, to the way that God would have um, church be, uh, and therefore um, this church be. Uh, Last week, we were thinking about belonging. Uh, This week, um, thinking about the community to which we belong. Uh, And obviously, those overlap um, a fair bit. They're both coming out of uh, this chapter, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. Um, And thinking about these these verses last um, uh, Sunday night, um, I was saying that um, there's um, uh, this new chat on the internet about something called nomophobia. Come across nomophobia? Um, it, it is, um, it's short for no mobile phone phobia um, and uh, an anxiety state precipitated by finding you're out of, you know, your signals not working or indeed you've forgotten your mobile phone altogether. Think you suffer from nomophobia? Or, or how about, I've made this one up, um, MPAS, um, M-P-P-A-S, um, mobile phone purchase anxiety syndrome, um, which is that sort of terrifying sense that, you know, I may get the wrong deal and therefore the wrong phone, and that would be awful. Um, it's part of something that's not made up, which is FOMO. Uh, come across that. Um, FOMO, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. 
Uh, now, there's lots of chat about that. Um, uh, I've got a definition for it. Here you go. Um, FOMO is a pervasive apprehension that others might be having rewarding experiences from which one is absent. And you, you can see the way that our, our preoccupation with social media uh, kind of works pretty well with that, doesn't it? Because uh, people put up all their peak experiences and you're left thinking, oh, it looks a lot more exciting than my life. Um, how, can I, how can I get in on that? I don't want to miss out on all those great things that are going on. Um, and I can't help thinking that, that FOMO, this fear of missing out, is very tightly bound in with a kind of a reluctance to commit. Because you think about it, if I commit to this, then it could just be that I miss out on that. And what if that is better? But here I am committed to this. That would be terrible. I'd be missing out on that over there. How awful. Uh, and the, the people who uh, lead the summer camps that we have people involved with here over the summer, they told me that over the last few years they've noticed that people are very interested in coming, but it's really hard to get them to, to sign up and commit. And because what if committing to this summer camp means I miss out on this life-changing summer experience that might come along and I don't know about yet? So FOMO leads to lack of commitment. Why do I tell you all these things? Well, because it, it couldn't be further from the, the, the character of the attitude that is being described for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. couldn't be further than the way in which um, Paul is seeing Christian believers um, needing to uh, relate uh, to the body of Christ, to, to the church, the people of God. I want to look at um, these verses then under, under three headings. Um, and I want to say, first of all, that um, understand that I'm, I'm speaking to those uh, who are Christian believers, who've decided to commit to Christ, um, and, uh, uh, and therefore uh, these things about belonging to the body of Christ apply to you. That's not you. You're very welcome. Um, appreciate Sunday by Sunday we'll have people here who are still trying to work out what they make of the Christian faith. That's great. Uh, and I hope that this will help you to see what this church business is all about. Um, anyway, three, three headings uh, for us. Um, uh, here's the first. Um, that, that it's about not attending uh, but being attached. Church about not attending but being attached. Um, uh, just pick it up in that first paragraph, middle of verse uh, middle of the paragraph, verse 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Whoever we were, whoever we are, God takes us with all our differences and forms us to become one body to which we belong. We're thinking about that last week. Now, apparently in various parts of the world, it is possible now to attend drive-through church. I uh, get the idea. You, you, you pitch up in your car um, and you park it in the parking lot. You tune your radio into uh, the service uh, so that you can hear the songs, hear the sermon. Uh, and you can do church in the privacy of your own car. And then when the service is over, into reverse, out you go, uh, drive off home. I guess you might sort of nod at somebody in the car parked alongside you, perhaps, but you don't need to. Yeah, how silly. 
Only, is it possible that it could be not that different to the way that we do church sometimes? Roll up at Christ Church, park ourselves in our favoured seat, tune in to the sermon and the songs, reverse out at the end. It's possible, isn't it? In fact, we could even stay for coffee for a while, but ensure that the conversation we have is pretty much drive-through conversation. Nothing of any substance to it, no real connection to it. It's all too easy for us to attend church, but not really attach to church. And I think, in some ways, that, that that's woven in too with with the the consumer attitude that we live with, hour by hour. It's quite hard, isn't it? Just just because we're now doing church stuff to switch off the consumer mindset that we've been working with all week. You know, when we've been comparing the market dot com. Um, you know, which energy company should I go with? Which give me the best deal? Uh, which film should I watch? Big selection for me. What do I enjoy most? You know, we spend the week sort of you know, drawing comparisons. Uh, and uh, the question is always, what's best for me? What will I enjoy most? What will I get most out of? Now, given that that is the attitude that is cultivated in us, in all sorts of ways all week. It's pretty hard just to step out of that when we arrive at church and not to bring the same kind of thinking. You know, what's church really doing for me? What am I getting out of it? Is this this a church where I'll get the best deal? But you can see that that's to bring a mindset that says, well, I'll attend and, and get involved with this church if I get something out of it. Instead of an understanding that says, well, I'm attached. This is a body that I belong to. That it's a community of people who, to whom I'm attached as clearly as a hand is attached to arm. A head to shoulders. Because it's not a community that we have created. You realize that? Now, this is a community that God has created. It's a community that is in continuity with his very earliest plans. You wind back through the Bible, and you wind all the way back to, to, to Genesis and to the call of Abraham. Uh, and what was Abraham promised? That he would have descendants who would form a people for God's very own possession, a people who would bring blessing to every nation on earth. Now, track that great promise forward, and, and where do you find it working out? Well, you find it working out in church. Church is God's great plan to accomplish his great purposes, to bring blessing to his entire creation. And the astonishing thing is that you and I, by grace, are enabled to become part of that body, part of that great plan. So it's not a great burden. Oh, I've become a Christian. That means, oh, bother, I've got to go to church as well. No, no, no. You become a Christian and wonderfully, graciously, gloriously, God allows you to be incorporated into the body that he's created, the people that he's established, to fulfill his very purposes, both now and into eternity. What an amazing privilege it is to be part of church. 
part of the body that God has brought about. So first, not attending, but attached. Wonderful. Then second, not redundant, but responsible. Um, Pick it up in verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. The imagery is very clear, isn't it? Very vivid. Here's a bit of the body that doesn't feel particularly valued. You know, foot, fed up, people treading on me all the time. What a miserable thing being a foot, and fancy this. Or it's the ear saying, it's all right for you eyes. People are always looking at you. And they're talking about eye contact. No one ever talks about ear contact, do they? What a miserable thing being an ear. And I'm just, that's it. I'm gone. I'm not going to be part of this body anymore. And it doesn't work like that, does it? You can't, can't have parts of the body de- declaring UDI and just sort of stepping out for an independent existence. It's just an impossible notion. And you can't have a body that's made up just of one body part either. Because, verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Or come to that, if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Now, I guess it is possible um, to, to be in a church like ours um, and to think, well, you, you know, you've you got more than a, a, a sort of a couple of dozen people here. And everything seems to go on all right. You know, the Pathfinders, they've disappeared off and Sunday club's going on and, and there's a cup of coffee at the end. Everything seems to be happening. Doesn't seem as though there's anything for me to do. I'm not, not really needed here. One way to respond to that would be to say, do you know, actually there are some pretty acute critical needs in various areas of our uh, ministry at the moment. Teams that are desperately short of people uh, uh, to come and join them and needing to overwork in order to fill it. But, but actually that's not the direction that Paul takes his argument here. He doesn't actually argue uh, in terms of need but in terms of God's plan. Um, Look at verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. In other words, the reason you can know you're not redundant is because you've, not because you've found your job. I found somewhere that will use my most excellent gifts. Often we don't know what our gifts are, do we? You have that experience? not really sure what God has gifted you to do. And and the way you find out is by getting on and doing something. And you think, well, blow me. Now I'm leading in Sunday club. It turns out that God's given me the gift of leading in Sunday club. I never thought that I had that gift. But God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. The reason you can know that you're not redundant here, the, the reason you can know that you are responsible for something here is because God's planned it that way. God has got you just where he wants you, in his church, with his plans that are based on his design. Which means every single one of us has a place. 
So if we opt out, if we, if we fail to play the part God's given us, it's as if we're saying to God, no, no, I know better. I know that actually you didn't place me here. I don't belong here. There's nothing for me to do here. Whereas God has said, he's placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. When we opt out of church, the issue isn't so much that we let other people in the body down. No, when we opt out of church, the issue is that we are letting God down. We fail to fulfill the responsibilities that he has given to us in his wisdom. Okay, so we've seen not attending, but attached, belonging, uh, attached to the body, part of it. Uh, And then secondly, not... Uh, redundant but responsible I've got a responsible part to play as a part of the body that God has formed and then thirdly um, not dismissive but dependent different kind of problem here isn't there Um, now we're not concerned with those who feel inferior and as if nobody wants me now we're dealing with those who feel superior and think that they don't need anybody else Um, but verse 22 The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. It's just not the way a body works. You can't think of an eye without a hand. You can see the ball, but you can't catch it. Useless. The eye without the hand can see all sorts of need, but can't lift a finger to do anything about that need, because it hasn't got a finger, it's just an eye. Now, the body needs all the bits of it in order to be able to get on and function as it should. Even the bits that we think are less important are vital. That's the argument of, uh, uh, of verse uh, 22. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Now, I don't know if this is fair, but I found myself thinking about my internal organs. Now, I mean, our internal organs are actually quite weak, aren't they? They, they have to be protected by rib cages um, or, um, or skull bones. Um, and, and they're pretty inert. I mean, they can't move. Like my, you know, my arm can move, but you know, my liver um, has got, got no sort of independent movement of its own. But try living without your liver or your pituitary gland or your large intestine. I mean, you know, it won't go well. So, I mean, they, they may seem kind of inferior in some levels. There's not much glamour to being a liver. But vital, crucial part of the body. Just as much a part of the body as, as any other part of your body. And our body can't function without it. Well, th- that's the picture that Paul is working with here. And, verse 23, the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. There are parts of our body that we are particularly careful with, particularly attentive to, and particularly modest about. And yes, he is talking about the bits of the body you think he is at this point. And and without wanting to press the point too far, I mean, they are pretty important bits. They have pretty vital functions for us. So the bottom line, verse 24, is God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, 
but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. God's arranged his church just as he wants it, with all the different bits, so that nothing's out of place. Nothing's redundant. None of it can function independently of the rest. And those of us who like to prize our independence need to know that we too need others. That we may be aware of our abilities, perhaps. But we need to know that we have disabilities and weaknesses too, which are only met by others in the body of Christ. Because only together can we fulfill God's purposes. Only together do we form the complete body of Christ. So two, um, two quick sort of implications just as, as we close. Um, first implication seems to me that there, there is a real need to communicate, isn't there? There's a real need to, to make sure that information flow goes well. A body can't work well if the bits of the body don't communicate, don't know what one another are doing. Which means we need to be in touch. That's a, a part of the reason behind the uh, share a meal weekend next weekend. Yeah, go to the website uh, and just opt in form another relationship. That's the idea of it. We can't all know everybody. Just a little bit too big for that. But we can increase the number of people we know and increase the depth of relationships of the people that we know. So communicate well. That's the sense of the final verse as well, isn't it? If we are going to be those who where one part suffers, every part suffers with it, and where one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it, we need to know when good things are happening so we can rejoice. Know when hard things are happening so that we can grieve and pray. Second, as well as being those who communicate well, we need to be those who commit well. And... I think it's important not to, to kid ourselves here on the nature of that commitment. That the commitment is, is more than having a few friends. As if I select out from amongst uh, the wider body of Christ a, a band of people who I quite like, uh, who form my friendship group, um, and that's how I do church. Well, I hope you have friends here. I hope if you're new to us that you develop friends here. But, but see that church is, is more than selecting out a little group of friends. It's not less than that, but it's more than that. Um, similarly, it's being committed to church here is about more than being committed to your own spiritual growth. Again, I hope you're committed to your spiritual growth. I hope you're listening to sermons, reading Christian books, um, praying, got a plan for the way that you're going to grow. Hope you're doing that. But being part of church is more than that. Because if your plan for spiritual growth isn't growing you into deeper relationship with other parts of the body of Christ, then it's not really growth into maturity at all. Because that's what maturity looks like. We, we can't mature independently. Do you see that? When Christ writes about the maturity of the body, he's writing about the maturity of the whole body. You can't have a bit of your body getting mature without the rest of your body getting mature. I can't mature without you. You can't mature without me. We do it together. And then, also, I can't reduce church to serving on a few rotors. 
No, no, we have rotors. We need rotors. You know, there's somebody who's going to be on the coffee rotor, on the welcoming rotor, on the Sunday club rotor, the Pathfinder rotor, the praying rotor. Yeah, we have these rotors. But again, churches, it's not less than serving somewhere, but it has to be more than serving somewhere. As if as long as I'm on a rotor, then job's done. I mean, because it would be a weird body, wouldn't it? You know, the hand sensing, well, I'm on hand duty today, but tomorrow I'm, you know, I'm off duty. Elbow will have to just manage on its own because I'm off duty. I mean, that'd just be a weird bit of a body operating in that way. Church is the body to which I currently belong, to which I'm attached. And I mustn't feel inferior and feel as I'm not wanted or feel superior and as if I don't need others. I have to throw myself into being part of the body that God has made me a part of. However long or short a time that you are here, Cambridge is the place where people come and go. might be that you're here for your very first Sunday and you know you're only going to be in Cambridge for six months or 12 months. Can I say that if you're a Christian believer, then belong to a body of Christ. Belong to this one if you like, or find another one and belong to it. But belong somewhere. Don't say, well, I'm only here for six months. So for six months, I'll just, you know, it'd be silly to get involved for six months. It wouldn't. Vital that you belong somewhere, that you're part of a body of Christ, even if it is just for that little window of time while God's got you in Cambridge. He's got you here for a purpose. He's arranged the parts of the body just as he intends them to be. And funnily enough, if we don't do that, if we don't commit and really play our part as the body of Christ, and if the reason we don't do that is out of our fear of missing out, which leads to our reluctance to commit, ironically, what happens is we miss out. Do you see that? If my fear of missing out leads me to be a pretty shy of commitment, well, what that leads to is that I miss out. Because unless you commit, you never enjoy the the close, intimate relationships that come from really being a part of a community. Unless you really throw yourself into an area of service, you, you never know the joy of serving side by side with somebody in Christian ministry and being thrilled at being part of a team, accomplishing something together that God has enabled you to do. You miss out on the, the joy of mutual care in a small group as people care for you and you care for them. And you realize just how good that is that a group of people who are also very different and wouldn't under any other circumstances be thrown together in this kind of way and yet we get on. How has God done that? What a lovely thing. Well, you would miss out on all of that and the funny thing is you'd be missing out because of your fear of missing out. Do you see it? Daft, isn't it? But that is the danger. So uh, let's play our part. It catches all of us this, doesn't it? This chapter. It catches you if you are somebody on the fringe, just attending, and maybe you've been attending for ages, and you're not yet really making a go of being attached to the body. It catches you if you feel, nothing for me to do here. It catches you if you feel um, uh, as if, 
really quite an important part of the body of Christ and I don't need other people. Whoever we are, it catches us and tells us that God has placed us and everybody else just as he wanted them to be in the body of Christ here to achieve his purposes, to bring about glory to himself. And it is a joy and a blessing. Uh, Let me pray for us as we close. Uh, Father God, we we are so grateful for um, the wonderful thing you have done in in bringing church together. And, And now as we come to share bread and wine, we remember how you've done it. Uh, You've done it by forgiving us in Christ. You've done it by redeeming a people uh, from a way that was focused around me and my interests uh, and enabled me to become focused on another, uh, on Christ. And all of your grace, you've uh, made us a part of his body. Uh, And it is the most uh, precious thing uh, to know this salvation and uh, pray father that as we share bread and wine now we would be reminded of uh, the body to which we belong uh, and the price at which that belonging was accomplished in christ's name amen